0: Aisha's on
1: the line. smells so Welcome good. Paolo. <laughs> Welcome, Paolo. Welcome, <laughs> Paolo. Thank you.
0: Make me feel so at home. <laughs> yeah, I came in essentially my pajamas because I was like, well, Gaggy's place is going to be home. <laughs> yeah. Also, I really like what you did with that painting. Sorry, Aisha, you can't see this. I'll send you a picture. But it's very Psy Twombly, very, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Really? What era, Aisha, what era of art does Saitwombly fall under? Like, what era? It's modern, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Probably, I guess. Earlier, too. still.
1: Because <laughs> Saitwombly wasn't like in the 50s, right? I think.
0: Look, I'm going to pretend that I know um, my eras of art because you would think art school would teach us things like that.
1: There's the most but. gorgeous Saitwombly Museum in Houston.
0: Like his own, um, yeah. What mm-hmm. I never knew that me and Aisha went to Philly to the Philadelphia Museum of Art to see his stuff. Which Their collection is wild, it's yeah. huge. Oh my like, god, I'm so man. jealous of them! Yeah, yeah, I'm so jealous of Philadelphia, they really hit it out of the park. <laughs> Abstract expressionism, I should have, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah,
2: that makes sense.
1: Dang, he only died in 2011.
0: Whoa. Damn, don't talk about my man like that. <laughs> Killed, like he only died. I'm like Ugh. No, like I mean it's I so recent. You know?
1: I, I forget that like Jackson Pol I mean because Jackson Pollock died pretty young. Yeah, but like bosses. also like um what's her last name? Lee his wife. Lee Who's wife? Jackson Pollock's
0: wife. I don't know um, his wife. I don't know her. She like she's
1: actually uh her paintings are really nice too um but like they all died so young that you kind of forget that they what were still I like telling? i made cookies
0: lee krasner I'm lee sorry. krasner yeah damn okay go off um, i googled it oh <laughs> me googling it is me asking Goggy, so i get you <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my gosh so a lot's happened since last week
0: yeah wait what what's happened I don't really know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, I agreed though. Like, I was like, in, yeah.
1: In like, you know, any other time of the year, this would be considered a lot. So, that that's so that like, Yeah. It's something new happens like every three years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so fucking scary. <laughs>
2: I was but, watching yeah. Yeah? Um, Hassan Minhaj's special, like online exclusive special on his take of George Floyd and protests yeah. mm-hmm. the protests around the country and i was wondering if gargi you saw it or any other asians in our community saw it because he was basically yelling at us (laughs) um about the about how so many asians believe that this is a black white dialogue and that they have nothing to do with it interesting Um, and yeah it was really interesting um Husefa told me how it felt like Hassan was just talking at him and
0: Oh does Huseifa or did he kind of feel
2: Yeah he watched it too and he's the one who actually um, told me about it because I've seen it on YouTube I, just no, I mean it.
0: like I was curious if that's something that he has noticed in himself for the past because I was going to say the opposite yeah. actually I feel like I mean obviously it depends where you're getting your media and your content but I've seen the complete opposite reaction where It's mostly young people, but of every community kind of making the statement of like, hey, this is not solely a black, white issue. Like this is something that every single community of, you know, POC or otherwise, like however you may identify, Mm -hmm. should find themselves like being in dialogue with and paying attention and taking notes, essentially, and also like getting involved actively going out make yeah. a statement and making it heard that like you as a part of that singular community also stands you know acknowledging that this is like a complicated nuanced issue that there's you know moments of like racism within every community that there's like prejudices and a lot of kind of like historical backings to explain some of them sure but you know there's still things to be worked on regardless and I was impressed by that because in most movements in the past, it's felt more singular than that. But you know, I've seen like all of the, all of the posters, like Asians for Black I would Lives, say and it's like Probably cetera. because though
1: we're typically in environments where we have people that agree with us,
0: N- but it's not the environment. Because like, like I know,
1: like definitely, yeah. like there are kids. Or people my age that are from New Jersey or from Palo Alto that have only been around brown people their whole yeah. life. Yeah. Houston.
0: No, no, like, I agree, but my point. I being, think
1: like I don't interact with them in social media so much,
0: so I wonder what their take is because like I've definitely had this conversation with point, my parents though, too. That's the point. Is though. like obviously these are issues in every community, but what I'm saying is for the first time in history, every single group has like a sect of people that feels directly like accountable for taking action and being involved in a way that other movements didn't see it happen. And because of that, I think there's still a lot of people that, you know, probably are quietly like falling into the shadows, trying to ignore this, trying to maybe not take part in it whatsoever. But comparatively, like it's really impressive how many people from all sorts of, you know, corners of our many communities in our
1: but go ahead, like, what else did he, like, what did he say? I'm curious.
2: Um. Yeah, he basically targeted his dialogue with two um, members of the South Asian community, but he also made it aware, like, made it so that he was aware that the East Asian community, the Southwest Asian community were also a part of this larger issue. But I think he was talking about how especially children of immigrant parents or immigrants themselves, like um, people like Josefa who have immigrated when they were um, children, Mm -hmm. a lot of them, just like how a lot of white people do um, glorify black culture, you know, the Jordans, um, the music, (laughs) um, raising
0: the Barack Obama. The first conversation with Josefa was, Oh my God you fuck with drake
1: well i mean <laughs> I fuck
0: yeah drake. yeah
2: <laughs> exactly great
0: yeah example. yeah
1: yeah if you're brown <laughs> you like drake i would be about it if you're indian brown a hundred percent
2: oh yeah right. <laughs> yeah drake is a god <laughs> yeah. six god six god i swear to god <laughs> swear to six god no. <laughs>
0: But wait, so I'm I'm curious though cuz you said he felt like targeted by that. Like did he previously feel that way or like why did he take it as a direct message towards him?
2: Because it's it was among the the Daily Show hosts um you know announcements or or statements about this. It was very aggressive and honest, like very honest. Um and Hassan even he he doled out a lot of hypotheticals like you can make do offer them and, and such and such but you can't we can't be around not raising the floor up for black people to, to succeed and just pretend that we're not a part of this black and white dialogue he made a point of during the George Floyd um when he was murdered Of course, the police officer, the Hmong police officer who stood by and watched. um, But also the fact that the people who called on the cops in the first place were Arab immigrants, store owners, right? Yeah, And how the systemic racism that exists in our home countries, like, you know, the All these skin bleaching products in India and Pakistan, um, as well as the fact that people left their countries to be in a more stable part of the world, but still champion um, rebellions and revolutions like the Tiananmen Square Mm -hmm. Revolution, for example, it's just hypocritical by nature um, and that they need to get their shit together. And really understand, because, you know, right now, a lot, the hot button topic is violent protests and, and the looting that is, quote unquote, uh, harming this entire revolution. Um, he kind of put into perspective of how, what did you think would happen um, if you can be killed for selling CDs, sleeping, babysitting, etc.? Um, these these are the type of protests and revolutions that we would have supported in our home countries, that we have supported in our home countries, um, and I, I think and parallel like, I I see that there's a lot of POC uh, speaking out about this and doing things about about it and you know impacting it for the greater good, which is awesome. But there's also just this really silent I don't want to call it silent majority because I don't really know how big this this group is but there are so many Asian immigrant families and people young people like me parents you know who really like it Hassan is correct in that manner like they really do um, glorify black culture and you know they're like soft-boiled woke but in reality do nothing to Mm.
1: I guess. Like, move towards, like, true inclusion. Yeah. yeah like, and, I, and, like, and I the, see, like, a, like a yeah. Indian store owner or someone like that. <laughs> like, it may or may not be conscious, but because, yeah, like, they would, because they themselves are brown, would just kind of be like, yeah, no, I'm not racist. But then would subconsciously or consciously not hire a black person to work in their store or something like that so like i think there is kind of a general tendency to just be like i like this is not my problem because i go through a different degree of this but i also think because i was talking to my parents about this where like it's kind of like it isn't a not an american problem or like american per se but like I also think that like the coverage that's like been done has kind of come up, like if this happened in the UK or if this happened in Australia to begin with, like if like this death had happened in a different country, no one would fucking know, man. Like Arab Spring, no one else was like fucking rioting or like just other, like, like it's also kind of frustrating that it takes it to happen here for anyone else to even start caring about the situations in their own country like in Belgium like King Leopold was a fucking twat as fuck no one was like you know like riding against that
0: or like if they were we didn't know well that's the precedent though and that's that's why I think like you know back to the original point like I don't disagree with that statement whatsoever like we've always talked about this like there's obvious problems colorism racism classism In every community, you cannot deny that. If you are, you're blind, you're using that as an excuse for your own sake. That's a different issue in itself. I think the problem though, with what like I was kind of bringing up is you have to bring up the context of the time and the difference in this reaction and the split reaction between POC communities because it is critical to holding the other half of that POC community accountable. So for example, this is the first time in history where you really see groups that weren't inherently like within the initial conflict, like literally within it, come out and take such a stance and make a radical statement on their own in a way that like, yeah, there very are more much,
1: non-black people out there yeah. by default. like, And just this, like with this, the white this, paradigm
0: of like, you know, you can't be just a quiet bystander. Like you have to actively use that privilege within POC communities. It's super important to acknowledge, like if you're going to call out the ones that you know, aren't doing that, that there are groups that have very much worked to kind of once again, take these conversations and put them in those communities and make people face that reality because then you can't deny it. Like for example, I notice a lot of POC people that do have racism and colorism ingrained in them be like, well, I'm not white. And because of these reasons, you know, like my community, like we just do things slightly different, but I'm not white either. So it's like, you know, I still, I can say these things and like basically use their own middle ground, like gray area or as they believe gray area, you know, colorism spectrum to, to excuse a lot of these behaviors. But once you turn to your left and you look at someone, oh, sorry, I was hearing the, um, what do you call it back? Feedback. Feedback. Um, But anyway, once you like turn to your left and you see someone in your community look at you and say, No, we're not standing for these things within our own community, then there's a lot more accountability. And I think it's crucial to contextualize this movement in time with like the majority of the world making an effort and becoming more aware and becoming more educated on these issues. Because I think like that is inherently the way that people get swept into a generational and like much deeper long lasting type of change that's substantial and that's how like change happens right like yeah it becomes white mm-hmm. red and it and yeah. it slowly feeds into small pockets and niche communities and like it has to become something that everyone is looking at each other for and I think like it starts with those groups that are you know like for us I think it's always been important right like these like social rights issues and human rights issues but at the same time I can't say that when I was younger I had the courage or confidence to look at my community of you know Latinos who I knew for a fact had opposing opinions and maybe made like racially charged comments and et etc cetera, et cetera, because I felt alone within my own community to bring that up and I wasn't sure if I even stood on any ground but I feel like now we stand at a point and, you know, being a little older, a little more aware, a little more educated, where I can look at those people and be like, hey, there's no excuse. There's tons of Latinos who have pointed out the issues within our own community, and, like, you can't deny that any longer. So, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. also, like, for the sake of hope. Like, I think we always need to remind ourselves, like, it's good to keep everyone accountable and call them out, but also have the potential, or, like, leave the conversation with the potential for that person to realize, like, Hey, I'm calling you out for the sake of your own progress rather yeah. than to just say, "Hey, you're a dipshit and that's it." Like, yeah. I'm categorizing you as such and you're done. I think
1: the the catalyst, the true catalyst to actually see if this shit pans out into the future is mm-hmm. post-quarantine and like, I do, I do. I mean, that that is always a given. Like we're literally fighting for the same stuff yeah. that we like but it's we were in game. the 70s, but like, like No, but like legislation yeah. is the only way this can like be enforced but um like even just in terms of like like the whole to see if allyship is truly performative or not is gonna have to be when we actually have to like deal with each other again kind of and um like speaking of legislation though like i was did you guys like do you guys know much about um like kind of what germany did to like kind of recuperate from after you know their their face
2: i knew they had to um yeah like i mean
1: other than like reparations and disarming and stuff they like banned the use of swastikas they banned any nazi like Uh by law they just removed everything and then like even it's so kind of now ingrained in their culture that nazism is bad is that yeah in Dachau, they had the, the, you know, the death march and the concentration camp. People don't buy cars there because they don't want a Dachau license plate because that shit gets vandalized or like their cars get busted up because they have like a number plate that's associated with this like hard, hard place. But then here we are. You know, flying the Confederate flag yeah. willy-nilly
0: and, and
1: whatnot. So I it's mean, like
0: fucking America. There's like a like...
1: weird balance of yeah. like you know free speech versus hate speech, which I think yeah. at the end of the day, like if you really want to root it out as much as you know, like, I mean, World War II wasn't that long mm-hmm. ago They're to really get weird. it like you know the mainstream to be that's interesting very yeah. like there like they just they just shut it down.
0: But real talk, like, so then are you implying, like, you would actually want to see a law that forces or enforces, I should say, maybe that these types of, like, commentaries or, you know, symbols or whatever should be outlawed? Because I don't just, I feel like I always fall into that, right, where I'm like, yeah, in my heart of hearts, like, that's the ultimate dream in an ideal world, right, under my ideologies, of course, which is very biased. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think about that often. But then I always get back to this point of, like, this very American, like, classic argument of, like, well, freedom of speech can't be, like, once it's slightly breached, that's it. You're opening, you know, the gates. Yeah. And I don't disagree with that, unfortunately. And that bothers me because, honestly, like, these people usually use it to defend acts that are so just obnoxiously...
1: I think you know, yeah right. like that just comes with the American culture right like yeah. the whole like individualistic you have to be free to pursue your own path whereas That's I definitely yeah. still like if you want to be in a community got to play by the rules and if the rules are to be yeah. like oh you can say whatever the fuck you want well then i guess i guess yeah. <laughs> you're just you're opening yourself up to
0: but I wonder, factions
1: right like there's, i don't know like,
0: almost like a loophole, which is still, you know, very difficult to navigate, but like almost a way where, I mean, there kind of are though, right? Like hate crimes. Well, that's a a crime. Like that's a physical, that's a little more intense, but I wonder if there's ways to implement like some sort of, because I also, I was thinking a lot about social punishment recently and how it is actually a very effective way to handle, you know, issues without like technical consequences, like literal, Wait, maybe. Define so, like, like for example. Society. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and Australia. on small scales, two big scales. For yeah. example, that's the most extreme, right? You would think, like. But I mean, that's literally. kind of like, you're right, like with the yeah. editors all stepping down. Yeah, all that, yeah, that's kind of. Yeah. And I think of it in small scale too, though, where, like, for example, peer pressure, right, of like the social norms. I was thinking a lot, I mean, not to go down this rabbit hole, but to make it as concise as possible. Talking about or thinking about like performative activism as a net positive because it at least is implying now that everyone has to feel this way or you're kind of, you know, yeah. a shit person, company, etc. And we were, me and my brother were talking about how like obviously it's infuriating because you know that a lot of it is just the capitalist tendencies to want to be a company that, you know, yeah. isn't the good with the people but also like it does set a standard, and in a place like the States, and with social media and like this, you know, evolution of the world, having like the mainstream, quote unquote, be under any ideology or political belief is actually critical. Like, yeah, you know, even if it there's like cracks in the wall or whatever, it makes a difference because then when a person stands against that, yeah. they are socially not ostracized always because it's not but they're not in the stream. majority yeah. yeah and people and they get shit and they feel bad and they have to double think their stand that's why it's so dangerous to have mainstream beliefs right i mean it can be positive or negative depending on your own stance yeah but you know 50 years ago when being homophobic was the norm people were afraid to even be an ally like that's kind of the point yeah. and i think like in that same way i mean i recently found out in um I can't remember where <laughs> Europe, somewhere in Europe, it actually became like illegal. Like they stopped doing like, um, what is it called? I don't even remember what it's called when like, they would essentially bring someone in front of like a crowd of people and they would essentially like claim them to be ostracized and then people would like ignore them. And it was like a social, that's like a middle age shit. <laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> yeah. but Like that's the point, right? Like for, centuries we've used that form actually i'll get you guys the reading because the reading uh, that focused on this yeah it was like a reading all about emotions Mm -hmm. which is totally unrelated tangential but it talked about humiliation shame as like one of the most powerful tools in government and it was really fascinating because i've never thought of those emotions as like a weapon but they're weaponized really often and um yeah. And that specific like detail, it was, you know, noting how that actually stopped happening because it was that cruel and people could bounce back from it. And yeah. I wondered if like, in a weird way, like instead of maybe legal action, if we can just as a society take the responsibility of like implementing that in some way. I mean, I know it's a super slippery slope, you know, you can't really control it.
2: Yeah. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Did you, um, take a look at the article that timmy linked about the american press. i did
1: i can pull God, it up here did. so um how can like skim through it real yeah. quick
2: there was so that reminds me of, of that, that? article oh, where sorry they talked about lee yang who was the intercept mm-hmm. reporter a reporter mm-hmm. at the intercept interviewing a african-american man named maximum mm-hmm. fr And talking about protests. And there was a quote in his article um, where one of the, the questions that Li Yang asked, here, let me pull it up. I always question, why does a black life matter only when a white man takes it, dot, dot, dot. Like, if a white man takes my life tonight, it's going to be national news. But if a black man takes my life, it might not even be spoken of. It's stuff like that that I just want in the mix and then li yang after publishing the article was basically condemned by his co-workers including akella lacy who who whose tweets became yeah. viral i guess um criticizing about how he this journalist lee always is pushing black on black crime narratives after being asked not to in his in his articles and h- how it spiraled into a sense of in a sense like s- social ostracization right. among the journalist community and you know journalists yeah. like oh, readers perfectly too within, yeah what we were talking about <laughs> yeah I know yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> like, that way. actually yeah well, let me
1: let me bring <laughs> yeah, this yeah I, can, like, I was going to say we should like do um, a FaceTime
2: on the side maybe next time. Or later. i don't know if it'll keep recording mm-hmm. that's my oh, issue. because i know that if if we get a call like an incoming call oh, okay. app, oh my god if we get an incoming call then it's going to stop recording too yeah
0: i think age is on the phone so, gotcha.
2: anyway. but what was i saying so um i think uh the article goes on and talks about the crux of their argument being how journalists and editors are subscribing to obviously like the right now, what the left sees is the, is the mainstream um, the mainstream view supporting the protests, supporting the riots supporting the looting and those who veer from mm-hmm. that main road such as those who talked about how nonviolent protests are uh, more effective or um, yeah. uh, anything along yeah. the, uh, that line are targeted and you know painted as and vilified I guess um, even though they technically do support the movement at large and and then what I immediately thought about was, um, especially with the, the social, like socially isolating people and and kind of doxing mm-hmm. them in a sense. In China, when the Cultural Revolution was happening, obviously it's not to that extreme, and I'm not, I'm not trying to vilify the leftist movement either, but it did just remind me of how when my parents were growing up, their anecdotal you know stories of of how children would tell on their Parents um, to oh. the authorities, and you know, so them to wow. to the police officers for subscribing to non-communist or religious, yeah. you know, beliefs, um, which okay. is against the communist doctrine of, of the t- of the time. And uh, yeah, like that's what I, that's what I'm interested in when yeah. you talked about the slippery slope, Paula, because it's so, it's so powerful, mm-hmm. and it's. And it could be used for such good, but it can also just, like, spiral. Yeah, I mean, that's the issue, right? We
0: can't trust, like, the human error is just too great always. And, like, it's so unfortunate because I also, I mean, it's kind of funny how different our, um, like, go-to examples were in our heads. Like, I was thinking of literally, like, you're in an office. Your manager, someone who's slightly above you, you know, doles out a classic microaggression your coworkers look at each other yeah. and in that moment you as someone beneath them might be intimidated of the potential of calling them out on something because obviously there's like so many power dynamics there implications possible discomfort etc but i feel like if there's a net notion of like all of these people kind of being like yo like you know kindly just like by the way yeah. you know what you said you probably didn't mean but however blah 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 like there's a wonderful potential for like you know discourse that first of all isn't supposed to automatically vilify or hate I think it's all very contextual like in again in a perfect world people would understand that they should read into a scenario and yeah see if a person truly means harm or isn't or you know the possibilities of like how to approach that but like you said unfortunately things escalate and historically we've seen this happen in so many cases, and now with the whole cancel culture, with people yeah. are really against, but so i like, no I, one's doing anything about it. No, but fuck that. Okay, no, I hate like, oh my god, I hate cancel culture. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Let's separate. Also, that term itself is like encapsulating too much at once. Like, yes, I think it's negative to automatically just, you know, turn off from something that you disagree with because that's ignorant in and of itself. Yeah. But also, I don't hate the culture of holding people responsible because for some things we should definitely, like it's about time, yeah. right? But at the same time, the way we hold people responsible sometimes is incorrect. And you know, people need to separate the two. Cause I also think when people say like, I hate cancel culture, it's like, they always reference like, wow, back in the early 2000s, like you can make jokes about anything. You could say these words and like, it was no big deal. I miss those times. Like, no, those, yeah. were hella, yeah, yeah. those were like hella you know, homophobic like classes elitist racist you know high capitalism high manipulation times like i don't think you understand what you're saying and what you miss is at the expense of so many people and so many things and like you know but whatever different thing but on this article i am really interested to see how this happened because also someone who worked you know in journalism for some time like i'm sure you thought about this aisha it is so easy to make mistakes like We are literally people who are writing shit and also on deadlines everything's about urgency and quickness and like that is only expedited now like through social media and it's really dangerous and sad and I don't necessarily like like the statement in question that it you know incited all of this I guess is totally complicated. Like, even reading it, I was like, ooh, and I cringed yeah, a little Yeah, like, bit. I see, like, he's clearly
1: asking a problematic question, but then I th- he could have avoided mm-hmm. the, like, really problematic thing if he kind of just said, instead of a Black man taking his life, any non-white man. Or, like, if, yeah. like, he's basically, like, you know, when they ask you, like, in... A courtrooms when they ask you, like, a leading question where, like, the answer is, like, already embedded in there?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's oh
1: Like, that's literally <laughs> yeah. what this
0: is. That's really <laughs> The leading question. The, or, like, the judge going, like, or the fucking, I can't. Yeah, the whatever. judge being, the other, like, um, yeah. I don't know what the word is. The other lawyer being, like, leading question. No, that's <laughs> yeah, literally what they like, say. Objection! <laughs> yeah, objection! That's a leading question. <laughs> I was just watching, I mean, this isn't, like, a funny thing, but I was just watching when they see us the other day again with adela because i was like you should watch it. it's really great yeah. and i just uh, now it's in my head I'm like leading question every yeah. time someone implies something to me i'm like leading yeah but yeah which yeah, as a journalist
1: you, is just wrong as well yeah, whether or not I you're mean,
0: racist i also just think like it's more of like a read the room scenario for me like a lot of people have been talking about this notion of yeah there's a dial like there's so many other issues we should worry about like obviously like for example, if I went into a crowd and I was like, okay, guys, but the kids at the border, like, of course that's important, but like, yeah. shut the fuck up, like, read the room, yeah. you know? Like, not the time Well, And unfortunately, mm-hmm. everything, it should be in the times, right? Because, like, it's not like they're... yeah, They can wait, you know? Like, yeah. a lot of things. Same with the statement. Like, this man is completely justified in th- those concerns. But also, like, I don't know. This... <laughs> after Angie, I can't stop dissecting oh sorry (laughs) yeah maybe that but i can't stop dissecting when people use i statements because i do it all the time like everyone does it but in this time in particular and when a movement is happening it has never felt more apparent for me that i should not always be a part of your discourse so for example i always question why does black life matter only when a white man takes it like if a white man takes my life tonight it's going to be national news but if a black man takes my life it might not even be spoken of. And in the context of Black Lives Matters, it's very much like, you know, again, this statement isn't incorrect, but there's a movement going on for people whose lives are at a much higher rate being taken. And you're just like, oh, well, what about me? And like, what if they did that to me? You know, it's like, read the room, like you're not wrong. And you're absolutely, you shouldn't feel like this isn't a concern and like you're justified in these worries, but the way that you're speaking is very much going to harm, like, anyone right now who's very sensitive and in, in one cause. And, you know, I just think it was like unfortunate that it happened at this time for him because people are already so riled that when they read that, yeah. they probably just like snapped. Yeah, I
1: wonder, like, what his other,
0: his, the rest of his, his
1: regular behavior is, just generally. Mm. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like these tweets yeah. are like they that, make them sound yeah. like the devil. So like I don't like I don't know.
0: Well, the weird thing is because coworker said like she didn't just say like oh this statement hey yeah like, it's like this stop being bad. racist yeah so and I wonder she said like it's what he says usually she said um, I'm tired of being made to deal with the continue or continually with coworker who's continuing Mm -hmm. to push black on black crime narratives after being repeatedly asked not to. And that implies to me that there were private conversations as well, which again, I don't think like exposing him like this was necessarily the best way to approach it. But if there was already kind of this like private back and forth,
2: what? Yeah, here's the thing though. Also in the article, the person he was interviewing was baffled by the fact that he got in trouble yeah. and was condemned for that statement yeah and it's somewhere in the article but like it was kind of just also, his
1: co-workers and other people that they were affiliated to that were calling him out so like yeah
2: they were more offend. yeah it was interesting that they were more offended than the actual person who was being interviewed um another thing I wanted to mention was that you know it's I'm really intrigued by her statement about the continual you know offenses that she she speaks of and whether he Mm -hmm. does this often but what does that look like what does it sound like because i don't i don't know if it's hard for me to judge because we have nothing to base it on but there could be a chance that he's an actual like garbage human being who you know is always referencing black on black crime when it's really not appropriate to, you know, mid- you know, mid-George yeah. Floyd murder, right? But there's also there also could be a chance that he brings diversity to the discussion to the table at the intercept and researches, you know, researches this a lot or yeah. is actually genuine, genuinely interested on crime in America and how it's broken down by race and and we, we just don't know. And I think that's part of the problem with the American population or just like a large country or large group of people at all. I mean, we love heuristics. Like we yeah, love shortcuts. Yeah. Um, a lot of the times we've re- we read titles of yeah, sure. articles without even reading the article itself. And it's we subscribe very quickly to the left and mm-hmm. the right, you know, the binary.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I so, would, I
2: don't know.
0: A slight, I mean, this is a total assumption, but just from the clues of like his statement, I think it's also a matter of, like, if he was maybe more immersed in that, um, like, research and those details, and, like, he was doing a lot of kind of, you know, work within these fields of conversation, I feel like his rhetoric would be different. Because anyone who is mostly in, like, a journalistic setting and, like, professional setting, working and talking about these things knows the type of, like, ways of speech and lexicon for this um, conversation. Like, like I, like I said before there, you could make that same exact statement or with the same message, but word it differently. And I think it would be more appropriate for the times. And like, even Gagi's simple switch word, you know, black man, Mm -hmm. like being, oh, if another, if any other person of color or if any other whatever you know did this to me a person of color like i would feel that the effects would not be nearly as you know um what's the word like oh i uh, see what you're going okay i was
1: completely reading the statement in a different way what way that's so funny well i mean it's not funny but (laughs) i didn't I interpret it, like his statement as being like his death being of his death being a death of a person of color i interpret it more as like he was trying to focus on, on just death. the perpetrator yeah and what ethnicity well, I think they both. were
0: i think both however um the the statement from his colleague is talking specifically about this yes. this dialogue yeah. that has been an issue for, forever. Yeah. Like the whole black on black crimes yeah. has been used. But I politics think, has been used. In-
1: Would you say, like I thought his statement yeah. was more like rather than, yeah. I guess she was probably just speaking of his previous transgressions, but this one, yeah. wasn't necessarily about, I think black on black crime. I think mm-hmm. he, okay. there is a issue of- yeah. Also,
2: yeah. full disclosure neither of us i don't think any of us read this actually. the original
1: one. yeah <laughs> so, no i don't have any other context yeah.
0: guys i didn't even read this article i'm going off of what yeah. i've skimmed thus far yeah. like i'm doing the most college thing right now where i'm like <laughs> yeah <laughs> in class looking yes. at the reading people are like yeah yeah when i read it last night also that's funny but
1: oh my like, god like, a, like, the like just sensationalizing <laughs> of I'm involving black people and, in, yeah, actually, in I, at either end.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming uh, again, assuming I'm always going to put that as a preface, but um, just the way that it's talking about, I don't know. The only experience I really have is like more on the conversations of like black on black being a very yeah. common, like throwaway in politics and such. And um, back when I took my, you know, race in America or, like, Mm -hmm. race, whatever, class. Um, We talked a lot about these, like, terms and, like, how they function and how they're talked about in general. Uh, Rhetoric is so funny because, in itself, it's so political. (laughs) It's it's way, way too meta. (laughs) But still, yeah, I think, like, I don't know, reading this, I'm, I'm hoping, and I keep wanting to give the original, you know, reporter of the statement, the controversial statement, kind of the benefit of the doubt in saying... Like, uh, to make it full circle, guys, there's the potential that he also just, like, isn't, you know, it's not the binary of, like, he's a shit person or he just had an off day or whatever. But maybe he just is another POC Mm -hmm. who accidentally doles out microaggressions all the time. Because as we were saying in the beginning, you know, it's very much not black and white within POC communities as well. Like, we can definitely... I mean, yeah, yeah, perpetrate uh, and mostly in that subtle yeah. way. I think, like, this is why microaggressions, and I'm so glad that like the world is now tackling them without calling it just snowflake, you know, whatever. That word is so obnoxious. But I think it's like a lot about finding the ways that we subtly and accidentally continue to perpetuate problematic behaviors about other races. And specifically, I think the reason, like, you know, using the word black is so. Aggravating the statement is not only the context of the times, but because as Andre 3000 once had on his t-shirt famously, dark people everywhere in the world are treated terribly. Like, okay, I butchered that statement, but it was like, (laughs) (laughs) fuck. I loved like you're going Andre 3000. Even if you
1: had just kept going.
0: But yeah, his shirt was like amazing. It's famous. Yeah, I can't can't disagree
1: with you at all.
0: And that in itself, I think, is why the term black is like, yeah, it's targeted and that is an issue, but it's also like the notion of always, always putting the dark man in the situation that is difficult. And as simple as a single sentence is, you would think like, oh, well, that's not going to, you know, enforce like racist thought in anyone. It's like the constant use of the black man as a perpetrator in every sort of media. It's not just him. He's like one little person who said it maybe maybe just in the statement. But it's like seeing that over and over that this other reporter probably was like, hey, is it not obvious to you like it is to me that this is not a statement that we should continue to use? Like, let's change the narrative. Let's just say, you know, for once like we're not placing him in that
1: role. Yeah. I wonder what um, what his name maximum maximum fr had to say in response to
0: that maximum fr that name is crazy
1: i I thought it was maximilla i didn't want to butcher
0: (laughs) that um